Welcome back to another podcast of Turn Row Talk. I am Riggs, also known as Root and Riggs, and also with us is Jack, Timber Solutions. And today we got a cool special guest from South Dakota. His name is Casey Briggs, also known as Briggs1992 on Instagram. He's here with us today, going to learn a little bit about what they do up north versus down here in the South Mississippi. Hopefully they can understand me in my northern accent. <laughs> this is our first <laughs> northerner on on the podcast, which is going to be good. I kind of like it. I like this. This is one of our first guests. Yeah, it's one of our first like official guests. You know, we had Spencer on here, but yeah. Spencer is a roommate of Jack, so he's not really that big of a guest, but... Casey's our first official guest, and I'm so glad and honored he is here with us. Took time out of his day to talk to all of us. But, uh, Casey, what, what's the weather like right now down there versus, I'm going to tell you what it is down here. I mean, it's 64 degrees, and it's a little bit of raining. What, what, what y'all got? It's a balmy 41 degrees and sunny, which is very unusual for February. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram I had some snow, quite a bit of snow earlier. Yeah, we, have, we actually have not had much at all, maybe like, eight or ten inches which is it's it's been an extremely mild winter for this part of the world what's the coldest that it really gets over there like you know this winter when we had some you know i know it got cold down here for a couple weeks how cold does it get up there so like air temperature uh minus 20 minus 30 is not uncommon and so we had a fair bit of that in january where it was like minus 20 minus 30 and then you factor in a 40 mile an hour north wind and you can sure feel it when you step outside and and that's kind of how the weather is this time of year we should actually have snow on the ground i mean you can see the ground it's bare i don't even know if we have much for frost so it's been like i said it's been exceptionally mild compared to average yeah i think y'all's like cold is different than our cold like our colds are really really wet like really really moist y'all's is pretty dry right or do y'all have moist up there we do have that wet cold once in a while but this time of the year the humidity is like 20 percent so you, you step outside and your lips are chapped right away. It's a little different from Mississippi rigs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hate cold, man. I would rather be on the beach somewhere. I've never been snow skiing. Rather go sit on the beach where it's warm. Yeah. But just a quick few questions we're probably going to have to ask you, Casey. I mean, what's your background? How'd you get into farming or how'd you get into the Instagram world? Just, just tell us a little bit about you and where you come from. So I don't actually farm with my family, believe it or not. I grew up in West Central South Dakota, which is about four hours from where I'm at now. I'm more in the northeast part of the state. Uh, so I actually grew up on a ranch. My family's owned it since the late 1890s. But my dad was kind of all about, you know, going out into the world a little bit. So the guy that I actually farm with now, I met him when I was probably a sophomore in high school. He was coming out turkey hunting to the ranch. And uh, he talked me into going to a tech school about 30 miles away from where we farm now. So when I was going to tech school, I started working for him part time. And so that would have been back in 2010. So this would be my 14th year here. And so somewhere in like 2014, 2015, we formed an LLC and through sweat equity, he kind of gifted me some shares to get my foot in the door and get started. And then it's just kind of progressed from there to where we are now. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's so, so I didn't grow up grain farming at all. It was predominantly stock cows where I'm from all pasture, kind of open range, you know? So you farm with, you said one other guy, is that what you said? He gave you some shares and all that? Yeah. So I guess I, if you want, I can break it down a little bit for you. It's a, uh, so it's, it's just an operating LLC. There's six of us that own it. It's his three kids, his wife him and myself. And uh, 
You're the stepchild. Yeah, pretty much the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, yeah. So no, redhead is exactly the redheaded yeah, stepchild. Yeah, but uh, if you you know to really get into it, I guess uh, I'd be the third largest shareholder. And the ultimate goal of the LLC was for you know his kids are older; they're not coming home. Uh, he didn't want to have a farm sale, and he didn't want the I'll say air quotes local BTOs to, to kind of gobble it up. You know, he wanted to keep it a viable operation that he pretty much started it from scratch back in the seventies. And so I was just fortunate enough to be the guy to come along at the right time. And I guess kind of create a position for myself where, uh, I guess as braggadocious as it sounds, I've, I've kind of become invaluable to the operation. You know, everything comes across my desk now. So it's not to say that they wouldn't operate without me. It'd just be tough to do for a while. So that's kind of how I got into it, I guess, was um, just doing a lot of stuff on my own. You know, I didn't have to be asked to sweep the floor, wash the tractors, et cetera. And, and so I've just kind of grown into this role of, uh, I don't know, farm boss, director of the farm, if you will. And uh, it's been a good ride. So what does your day to day look like on the farm? Like, are you more in the office or are you more like in a cab of a tractor? Like, like 50, 50. So I, I, I mean, when we're busy, I'm in the cab, you know what I mean? But, uh, like this time of year when we're doing shop work, I do have to do, you know, paperwork and, and, uh, all, all the good jazz that comes with it behind the scenes, marketing, buying inputs and stuff like that. That's all, that's all up to me, but I, we're not big enough to the point where I, where I'm just stuck in the office all the time. Yeah, that's nice because then you can get in the tractor yeah. and get out of the yeah, office. Yeah. Some. Well, that's a, that's the best part of farming is running equipment. Yeah, speaking of equipment, I know you know I'm a, I, I might as well get this over with. What do y'all run, Casey? What do you run? <laughs> Don't kick me off now. Uh, we we run. I'm not gonna kick you off. You do have a 48. You do have Soundguard. Yeah, we, I, I mean Soundguard and Harlan. <laughs> Harlan, where's Harlan Thompson? Harlan Thompson, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast. Soundguard is one of the best tractors ever made. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm a big, I'm a big Soundguard guy. So we, we run predominantly Case IH equipment. You know, that's what that's what Laird had when I started here. He used to be all John Deere except combines, and then he just kind of made the switch in the 2000s. It was a dealer support issue, uh, and now we're just kind of to the point where. I can keep them running. You know, I, I know the ins and outs of the red machines and it's just, it's one of those things where it's just, if I did switch brands, it'd be a whole new learning yeah. curve to, to figure them out. But we do have uh we do have a fleet of John Deere lawnmowers and I think we have five, six John Deere tractors. Oh, yeah. So three zero turn John Deere mowers and then two lawn tractors really? and then a, a 2555, a 4320, a 4010, a 4230 and a 4440. The old iron. That's what I like. That's what I like. Oh yeah, man. I that's what I grew up on too with Soundguards. So so they uh they take me back. Who is y'all's nearest John Deere dealer or who is the dealer? Well, Kimball Equipment would be well, Kibble and RDO would be about mm -hmm. 30 miles. Yeah, there there's an RDO 30 miles away up in Webster and then there's a Kibble in Watertown about 30 miles away. Freaking RDO's big, man. RDO's huge and they're yeah. not just in the John Deere. They're also in the construction and all that too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, they're That's they're crazy. they're massive. Yeah, and so they're they're actually based on North Dakota, and then like our closest IH dealership would be uh, Titan Machinery, and they're you know they're worldwide. They're a Fortune 500 dealership. Really? Yeah. So you're you're kind of just a number on an invoice around there anymore. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, you better not. I don't. You never know who's going to hear this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I'll edit that. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not. I'm not too worried about them. So uh, well, that's. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, and we, you know, we grow, so South Dakota is really diverse in agriculture. I mean, you can find Milo sunflowers 
wheat, flax, barley, spring wheat, winter wheat, corn, soybeans. It's not just row crops, you know. So, so yeah. So like three of those commodities you just named are pretty much the only three we run around here: soybeans, corn. We do have winter wheat sometimes, uh, but it is actually dying down pretty bad around here. We only put winter wheat on dry land fields. Yep. If we have irrigated, we're not going to plant wheat because you can make so much more off of soybeans or corn than you can off of wheat around here. But like, there is very, 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 very little bit of milo. The only person I still, I, if I'm not mistaken, Jack, you may, does Gooden still, they still do a pretty good bit of Milo down there in Vicksburg or the Natchez? I think they still do some, but I don't, I don't know how much they do. And I think they also do some millet. Yeah, they do millet. I've heard of that. But like, you know, other than that, corn, soybeans, rice, cotton, pretty much our main ones around here. Yep. I've never heard of barley and canola and the only sunflowers we grow is for doves. Right. So then there'd be some other ones too, like safflower. I don't know if you guys know it. South Dakota used to be a pretty big producer of safflowers. They're just kind of a prickly, prickly little oilseed crop. And then, uh, you know, a lot of South Dakota is is just pasture, big open range. Mule deer. There's, there's quite a bit of that. Yeah, big big muleys. Um, and so that's where, that's, that's where I grew up was uh, in the Cedar Breaks of the Cheyenne River, you know, out in out in the wide open country about it's about 60 miles from town any direction really so no dollar generals anywhere uh not not in that part of the world no we have a dollar general every every five miles yeah they're becoming pretty popular up here the last five <laughs> years they've been sticking them up everywhere i can't believe that they can keep them all in business it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy do your dollar generals have self-checkout uh i wish so ours don't either but i was in oklahoma last spring and theirs have self-checkout really now, our Walmart just pretty much converted to self-checkout. I went to Walmart for the yes- yesterday for the first time in like a year. I don't ever go to Walmart. I always order everything I want and have it shipped to my door. You don't go to Walmart? No, I don't go there either. Well, I just order it online. They ship it to your door. It's so much easier. But, yeah, I went in there and all there was no – it was everything was self-checkout. Plus, half of them didn't work, and it was just ridiculous. When, they come, when Walmart comes to the time that – uh, like Chick-fil-A, I can get on my phone and order it, and I just pull the drive through window and they hand it to me. Yeah. Which you can do that with Walmart now, but I would love to be able to walk into places and stores, scan it off my phone. It automatically goes to, you know, it just builds you right there, and you just walk out the door. You ain't got to deal with nobody. Right, right. I know that's trouble to say because of, you know, people needing jobs and stuff. But that's what the world's coming to right now. Yeah, man. Self-checkout, robots, AI, all the above. That's why I try to go to the, there's a local grocery store just 12 miles down the road. It's a little mom and pop one. It's a little more expensive, but I try to go to that one as much as I can. Yeah, but, you know, mom and pop stores are, to me, better, you know? Right, right. Yeah, if there's six people in that grocery store at once, it's it's pretty busy. (laughs) That's a little different from our Walmart. Well, Jack freaking was living in a college town, so he's got whatever they freaking want over there. We we go to Walmart pretty much every single Sunday to get something. Um, Casey, what would you say is probably one of the the hardest parts about farming in South Dakota or, you know, or farming in general? What would, what would you think? What's, what's your, what's your challenges up there? Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I mean, there's times that we can get pretty wet and get pretty muddy, you know, so probably like the weather would be the biggest challenge just because you simply can't control it. Uh, and I think that might be a pretty general answer for a lot of people, but overall, I guess I like the challenges, you know, so I don't, I don't always find them necessarily adverse, if you will, other than the weather, because I can't do anything to, to, uh, stop it. Yeah. Mother nature seems to have a big portion on most farms anywhere, you know, um, can't ever control it. You know, we're about to plant here within a month out. 
you know, once this last freeze hits, you may get one in early March, a freeze. It's going to hurt the corn. But sometimes most farmers around here just gamble it and go for it. Once it dries and it hits March 1st, you'll we'll have planters in the field. That's that's pretty wild. And then because, you know, you got that two or three week span there to plant corn and then it'll, mm-hmm. we need a rain. And then another week after that, balls to the wall on beans and everybody and their mother's brother planting beans i would say it takes about eight weeks for us to completely plant where we are down here if the weather acts like the way we need it to right and so then like i assume you guys if a guy's growing wheat they're probably double cropping beans on the wheat on the stubble yep Mm -hmm. okay yep so that but it's going but it's mainly dry land yeah Okay, okay. So you don't, right, you wouldn't waste any irrigated ground for poverty grass. I totally understand that. No. Especially at six bucks. Yeah. What's crazy, like, around here, y'all don't landform. We landform down here, which, you know, just scraper tractors and dirt buckets. If I mean, y'all are rolling hills, so there's a whole lot more dirt to move than what we would. But if you can get a field that's landform and have it irrigated, it's... You'll make so much more than dry land. So if you uh, if you ever come down this way, which you might, I don't know if he's going to see any over there. Or aren't you coming to Alabama soon or near Alabama? Yeah. So sometime in June, I think I've or towards the end of June, I'll be. But I'm I'm probably going to drive down, so I might be able to make a loop, you know, on the way home, just depending on how things yeah. go. But uh, but I I've never been to that portion of the U.S. You know. Yeah, I would love for you to come to the Delta and just look at it. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. It's so much different compared to you know like. I'm from North Alabama, and even just the three-hour drive between Huntsville and where Riggs is at is completely different. Because, I mean, in Huntsville and around there, I mean, we it's not very hilly, but we do have some hills, and, like, we have some terraces. But in the Delta, it is flat. Just like a tabletop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you can see for yeah. – I mean, if there wasn't trees in the way, you could see from – you can see for miles and miles and miles. I know you can in like South Dakota and stuff, but right, it's rolling right. hills. Yeah, I mean it's just it's flat. Everything's so I've, flat. I've been down through. You know, I I go to Texas quite often, like West Texas, and it's kind of the same way there. You can watch your dog run away for a week, <laughs> and there is there is no trees there. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, Texas had a hard time. West Texas had a hard time this year on their cotton, or last year on their cotton. Yeah, they did. So that's that's probably the toughest place I've ever been, like to farm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty crazy. To you know, just the difference of terrain from where I am versus where you're at, and like y'all don't do y'all, y'all irrigate anything, or y'all just rely on Mother Nature pretty much. Well, there's there's places in South Dakota that have pivots. So we uh, so I'm up on what they call the Cateau de Prairie, which is just kind of a big giant hill in the middle of two valleys, two river valleys. And so if you get if you get off the hill either direction, east or west, um, down in the Jim River Valley, they've got quite a few pivots along the river. And then uh, if you keep going west to the Missouri River, they've got uh, quite a few pivots along the river as well, down on the bottoms and stuff, you know. And then I know like if you get off into Minnesota, they got quite a, they've got some irrigated spots here and there, but it's nothing like like you guys do row water and stuff like that, don't you? Like there's not many pivots. Yeah, we're irrigated. Like we if we can, so a pivot around here is not on landform ground. We, we're trying right. to get rid of pivots. If, if okay. you know, a pivot is so it can walk a little bit non-landform. If we can landform it, get that pivot out, mm-hmm. drill a well down, and freaking roll with it. We hate pivots around here. Right, right. So so everything's <laughs> like no drip tape, just roll water, basically, or whatever you call nope, it? Nope, roll water. Well, basically, so you'll have a tenth of a degree, I think. Don't quote me on this because I know people are going to listen to this and I'm going to get accused of this because <laughs> I don't farm. No, I do not. Mm-hmm. I work for I work for an agriculture dealership. I just have passion about farming. Right. But what we'll do is it'll be a 
degree. I think, I don't know if it's 10th every foot, however they say it. Mm-hmm. But the whale's on the top side, on the top corner, and it falls toward the opposite corner. So all the water will go one way, and then when it gets down there, you have a, uh, when it goes down the furrow, water's both sides of the furrows on the plant. And then when it gets to the end, it gets a, um, a tail ditch, and it goes all the way to a, a main ditch, basically. And it basically, you water the whole field, and you don't have to put out drip tape. It's called polypipe. That's what we put out, and you run it down the well. Me and Jack will do a video on polypipe. I know everybody around here knows what polypipe is, but like up north and everywhere else in the country, people don't know what polypipe is. We're pretty much the only ones around that does it. They might do a little bit in Texas. Uh, Michelle Martin, she's told me they've seen some over there. But other than that, I mean, around here, you just see white rolls everywhere. Yeah. So I got a pretty good buddy in West Texas, and he's got some some ground that's that's real water. And they uh, they use the I don't know it's it's not like poly is kind of hard pipe or is it the is it like the the rolled up that you just punch holes in it? No, it's it's like they come in half mile half mile rolls like fifteen inches wide. Yep. Okay, and you you pressurize it, and then you walk down with a little thing and just jab holes in it at the. Yeah. So, but so now it it used to be just jab holes in it. Now the technology and stuff that's come yeah. out these days is called I think pipe planner and all that. You measure out, you put your well yep. on whatever pressure you want or whatever you assign it to, mm-hmm. and you have a what is called a polypyrometer, a, a polypipe puncher. It's got different hole sizes. So on like okay. your half mile runs, you're going to use a big hole, but when you get all the way down to the other end of the field, if if you're if you're if you're kind of like a tri not a triangle, but you know it, it gets slimmer and it's only I don't know a hundred yards down the field on the other side. Because you got a field that cuts at angle, you might use the itty bitty hole. So it all it helps save water, helps save money and diesel and all that doing it that way. Okay. But what you're saying, basically punch holes. So there's uh, you know, like you talk about that too, and Jack was talking about just the difference in in terrain three hours apart, and and that's kind of like South Dakota's a lot that way too. You know, Western South Dakota is more high plains, drier. Uh, they don't. They don't raise 200 bushel corn out there. A lot of guys are planting, you know, eight to 16,000 population on corn. And if they can hit 100 bushel, they, they feel pretty good about it. Uh, but but a lot of that is is picked for ear corn. I mean, some of it's shelled for grain, but guys have got like six row uni pickers and they'll pick ear corn and that's what they feed the, the pasture cattle in the winter times. And so as you kind of go east and, and you get to where I'm at, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of in that 200 bushel corn country, which is probably still a subpar yield for Mississippi, but we get a little bit more rain. We have a little bit heavier soil and uh, we're, we're high enough in elevation too, that we don't, we don't dry out very fast. So drought isn't a big concern. Irrigation isn't a big concern. In fact, most of the time we're doing the opposite, trying to figure out how we can get rid of some water because it's impeding, you know, us trying to get field work done. So that's where, you know, another thing that comes into play. So where I am, where I live and my family farm and the farms around my area. So, Back almost 100 years ago, the levee broke that holds the Mississippi in and pushed all this sand out into all these fields that are around here. We have, like, I have cactus growing on my my woods, or what we call our hunting land. I have cactus growing. And it's just so sandy that, you know, we have hot spots and all that. But once you get outside that, I don't know, 15, 20-mile radius of where the levee broke, you start getting into what they call black dirt. You know, ice cream ground is what we call it. And, you know, buckshot. Buckshot sucks. Mm-hmm. But have you ever heard of buckshot? Is it a soil type? <laughs> I, I will show you some when you come down here. It basically is a hard soil 
really, really, really dark, and then it gets big, like, inch cracks in it and stuff. Okay. Buddy, Carson Branton sent me a video one time, Mm -hmm. the farming irrigated ground on buckshot. And these cracks will grow to two inches wide, an inch wide, or whatever, and there's just cracks in the ground. Mm -hmm. And he was irrigating, and he punched a hole, and he sent me a video, and it's water shooting into one of these cracks. Well, you may, you never know, you may, it may come back up 30 feet down the road down there. You, you just don't know where it's going to come that crack goes to. But he'd come back that evening, and that water was still shooting that crack, and it never came back up. Don't know where it went. That road, it wasn't that water. That road didn't ever get watered. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it kind of sounds like what we call gumbo up here. It's like gumbo. It's like gumbo. Mississippi buckshot is what we mm-hmm. call it. Mississippi Buckshot. There you go. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a trip down there real one of these summers. Yeah, definitely. I, I want to come up there and see what it's like up there. It's a little tough to get away sometimes, but. Oh, I know. Y'all work on, y'all work during the winter a lot? Well, I I don't know if you want to call it a lot, but we do, you know, like for us, uh, we're big on, on mechanicking and stuff like that. So we, we stay pretty busy in the shop. We do probably 95% of our own repairs in-house. Really? Um, so awesome. anything that needs ten, yeah, anything anything that needs tending to, we do it uh, in the winter time. You know what I mean. So it's I probably put in one or two service calls a year just for something that gets a little bit above my head. But uh, overall, me and Skyler, we you know we try to fix it, and it's pretty rare that we don't you know get it on our own. I guess so. But we're not. Neither one of us are trained mechanics. It's just all kind of uh, school hard knocks, if you YouTube will. YouTube in it. Yeah, you, dude. YouTube <laughs> and Egg Talk, man. They they got all the answers. They seriously got it. Yeah, they've they. Uh, that's a good resource, and and people should use it a little bit more. Dude, that that's. I mean, that's that's pretty cool to have just under your belt to do your own work. But you know, when it gets out of hand, I understand you got to call somebody else. But that's that's pretty cool. You know, around here, it, you get done harvesting, and we till up. We don't do tillage anymore in the spring mm-hmm. we do all our tillage in the fall mm-hmm. and we make our beds and everything in the fall so when we go to the field the first thing that's in the field is the planter straight plants because they all all the farmers around here pretty much go hunting they hunt a lot talk about ice fishing a little bit and stuff like that that's kind of a big thing up here this time of year. oh dude i've always wanted to go ice yeah. fishing but i'm afraid i'm too big i'll crack the ice oh no dude they they drive pickups tractors everything out there this time of year <laughs> You'll be fine. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're crazy. What kind of fish do y'all catch? Well, I'm not much for fishing, but I think it's mostly just like perch and northerns and just cr- some other nasty ones, crappies maybe. Oh, is crappie nasty? Rigs, we got to go ice fishing. I th- yeah, I think that's kind of the nasty one. I'm, like I said, I'm not much for fishing, <laughs> but I think that's... Like, well, crappie <laughs> around here is a delicacy. It, really? Like, yeah. Huh. Oh, okay. yeah. Like, we're going crappie fishing, it's like... They don't taste like... St- Gummy bottom water? No, no, no. That's freaking Gaspagoo or something. Wait, maybe I'm thinking of carp. Am I thinking of carp? <laughs> yeah. Carp, we freaking throw them those back. We don't even deal with carp. We shoot them and... Yeah, it's carp. It's it's right. <laughs> it, right. That's what I yeah, think I'm thinking of. You don't do much carp. I've been twice in my life and I just never could oh, get into it. Freaking, uh, who's Corsco? What's his name? Uh, on Instagram, I think it's Corsco or whatever. He ice fishes a lot. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? He's on our group chat. Oh, Ryan. Um, yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Old Shutter Down. Up, I don't know how to say his last name. Carotzel, up in Manitoba. Shutter Down, yeah, yeah, boy. Up in Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of ice fishing. And it's neat because I've never really, you know, I could go on YouTube and watch it, but I don't know what the heck I'm looking at. 
Right. You know? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just never found much joy in going out and freezing your tail off, punching holes in the frozen water and <laughs> dropping a line down. But it, <laughs> I don't know. Some pe- A lot of people love it. So So do you hunt at all up there or anything? Yeah, I do a little bird hunting, uh, pheasants and, and prairie chicken. Um, occasionally I'll shoot a few snow geese or something. But the heck's a prairie chicken? Oh, it's kind of like maybe like a quail. Are they bigger than a quail? Mm, no, I don't think so. Maybe about the same size. Really? Yeah, they're real good. I like to breast breast them out and fry them out. Hmm. Fry them up. I have to look that up. They're, yeah, yeah, they're real good. I've done some pheasant. I want to go. I mean, I've done some pheasant hunting around here, but it's all like mm-hmm. you know. They're not wild. I'm sure the ones you have are wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, pheasant hunting. And actually, it's been really good this winter because it's been so nice out. So they, uh, they've they been pretty easy to hunt. But any any little bit of free time I got, I like to go travel around middle America, visit other farms, you know, take my drone up, that kind of stuff. So been on some pretty cool trips thanks to Instagram, I guess. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Instagram has brought me some pretty cool things, brought Jackson pretty cool things, and I'm sure y'all you had a deal with Montezuma just recently, didn't you? Yeah, I've had I've actually yeah I've had a few brand deals. Montezuma, uh, this guy out in Jersey, Farm Sip Supreme sent me a bunch of custom cup holders. There were some other ones in there. Oh, you did the uh, the the track. Was oh, that a, yeah. was so, that a brand deal type deal? The, the, the track? Yeah, I'm gonna plug those guys. So Springfield Colony Farms, they're up in Manitoba, in Canada. And yeah. uh they they make so they actually originally sent me a lenda hand, which is something that you put on the back of your tractor to kind of tie up all your hydraulic hoses, you know, a big mess back there. And uh and then they sent me that uh-huh. they call it yeah. a pipe yeah. drain uh for changing hub oils on on like quad tracks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So those have been kind of some of the recent ones. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but I think like the best for me, the best part about all this social media stuff is just being able to network with guys like you and Jack. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to make a swing through Kentucky and do some stops. And then, you know, I've been down to Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, my entire life, I've always wanted to be a part of Cotton Harvest. And so, you know, back in the fall of 2021, uh, I got to go down and run some stripper balers and some basket strippers and build a module and, and uh, you know, just stuff that people in South Dakota never get to do and we don't get to talk about. So it was Oh yeah, yeah, and it's and so I've been to a ton of farms. I made some really good connections. Uh, my but like my buddy Teddy out in Central South Dakota, I film him a lot. He's got all those really cool Peter belts. You know, they everybody out in that part of the state they farm pretty big, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand acres, and and so it's been fun to be able to get on some of those operations too because you can you can really bring back some pretty good management you know skills or principles from those guys. When they're, you know, they got a whole crew, six, seven, eight, ten guys, and uh, they're just doing it. So, how much do y'all farm? I mean, it may be a personal question. Uh, no, it's it's all right. We're we're a little we're a little north of three thousand acres, so we'd be, yeah. uh, we'd we'd be kind of, I'd say, a larger farm for this part of the state. There's a lot of guys that are only farming, you know, five, six hundred acres, thousand acres. Really, so. that's. You know, you go on Google mm-hmm. Maps, and I've showed, I don't know if I showed Jack this before. You can go on Google Maps, and you go to the north, mm-hmm. and you zoom in to probably two or three miles up, and you just see these white dots, you know, these white dots everywhere. And you zoom in, and it's a family house with a, with a farm shop. Mm-hmm. You know, you back out, and then you go to the next one. And it, it's crazy. They don't, they farm those four or 500 acres, and they have a normal job, I guess, you know, outside of farming. But it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, like through, I don't know if it's Illinois or wherever. It's just, it's pretty cool to look at how they're all just centralized. Like around here, most of the farms around here are 5,000 plus. Right, right. You know, we got some 12, we got some 10,000s mm-hmm. out here. Uh, a, a lot of sevens, but pretty much around here, it's 
5,000 acre farms. See, and that's, I mean, a lot of South Dakota is that way. You get, like, you just get 10 miles west of here and, and, and everybody out there farms at least 10,000 acres, you know? Um, but you get up, I, and I don't know why it is that way, but you get up on this hill and then if you go east to the border to Minnesota, you start running into a lot more small four or 500 acre operations. And, uh, and you're right. They, they work off the farm in town most of the time. And, and, uh, I, I don't know if you call it a hobby farm or what, but, and I don't know if the, you know, maybe down there in Mississippi, there's been the consolidation came earlier because you guys have been farming down there a lot longer than we've been farming up here. And so maybe that expansion, I mean, I'm seeing it more now. There's more guys up here farming a lot more acres and we're kind of experiencing it too. Like we've had to keep growing to, to stay progressive. So we've added quite a bit of land in the last five, 10 years too. And I think that was one of your questions. With, yeah. I mean, like what, what is a good 10 year goal for y'all? I mean, for you or a five year goal, I mean, what do you see? Yeah, so you know, I'd like to get, I'd like to be in that five to seven thousand acre range in the next five to ten years, um, and I don't think that's, I won't say it, it's, it's very achievable. Um, and we've spread out quite a bit. Yeah. You know, there's, there was a time where everything we farmed was in, a, was in about a six mile radius, and we're, you know, we're now thirty seven miles north to south. And so, really? yeah, and so that's kind of how it's going here. If you want to, I'm, I'm pretty willing to travel 20, 25 miles for the right amount of land. Yep. If it's good, if it's good ground and there's two, three, four quarters there, I'd, I'd sure go take it on. But y'all are pretty much drilling everything, right? No, no, we, uh, so we have two planters, two row crop planters and then an air seeder. And so we, you know, corn, beans, and wheat is our rotation. And then this year, uh, I've added sunflowers back into the mix. So we'll have, uh, th- three different row crops and then, and then wheat is kind of a stable for us yet. So. What what spacing are y'all running up there on your row crop? So thirty inches on corn, and then I'll be thirty inches on sunflowers, fifteen inches on beans, and then seven and a half on wheat. Sweet. So yeah, like around here, it's either thirty inches or thirty-eight inches, pretty much. You know, twelve row thirty, twelve row thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, sixteen row thirty, twelve row thirty-eight is pretty much how it is around here. You know, that's that's the widest planters you'll pretty much yep. see. I just know when when y'all when y'all see your videos y'all's drills they're like freaking big or it's or mid what is midwest guy i think he's midwest farmer he's got these freaking huge drills gavin yeah gavin gavin he's got these huge drills i'm like yeah yeah so he's up that around here right he's up in northeast montana yeah those guys are like them guys are pulling 80 90 100 foot air seeders you know yeah but they them them guys farm big up there too they don't yeah there's there's nothing small about farming up there is it hard to grow sunflowers? Like, is that similar to corn or is it kind of similar to beans where you just plant and like how intensive is our sunflowers? I would say, uh, you know, corn is, is corn and beans for us are relatively easy because we don't have the disease pressure that you guys experience because we freeze up. And I think that, you know, we don't have like tan spot and, and uh, leaf rust and all that stuff to speak of. Occasionally some soybean aphids or bean leaf beetles, show up out of nowhere but sunflowers you've got to worry more about you know fungal diseases and insects so i would say that on on the right year they'd be a little bit more intensive management wise sunflowers are pretty neat like rig said earlier i mean the only people who plant sunflowers around here are you know for dove fields but i feel like that'd be cool to you know drive down the road and just see you know big 300 acre 200 acre fields of sunflowers ag with emma she she posted some i saw her harvest on i don't know if it's instagram or snapchat or whatever it was sunflowers and i like i've never seen a sunflower head before in my life and they look way different than any heads i've ever seen right right yeah the 
yeah, it's it's uh like I said, it's pretty cool the diversity that we have up here, um, crop wise. You know, there's just so many different things to to see, and and I think the you know a lot of social media is just corn and soybeans. I mean, that's seems to be all we talk about, and so it, it's kind of cool to see some of these guys that are not in the corn belt, you know, showing that they that there are other crops out there. Even even like uh, you know, Cottonate talked about near as much as corn and soybeans yeah cotton has died a lot in the last 15 years around here you know it used to be just far as you can see cotton 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 but you know the commodity prices dropped so much that mm-hmm. people don't do it anymore we do have brian van Lanningham. he does a little bit of cotton uh they, they do about 45 5,000 acres of cotton and then griffin who I did the big V of the 15 cotton pickers yeah, that I yeah. posted that, that deer use. They, they do, they go out and pick for King Ranch out in Texas and um, they farm about 8,000, 9,000 over here in Mississippi uh, where we're at. Mm-hmm. And then they have farm a lot in Arkansas and up there by North Mississippi, up there by Clarksdale. That's pretty much the cotton, but everything else, like I said, is beans and corn and rice. There's a lot of rice in Cleveland area, a lot of rice in Arkansas. Like, you've probably never seen rice, have you? Not in person. Not in person. <laughs> Just on the internet. One of the most aggressive grains that you could put through a combine. So, like, when we order combines, you know, we ask that they want rice package or not. Because, like, the concaves or certain certain wear items are made with different material. Because, you know, if you go take rice and you put it in your hand and you rub it across your hand, it freaking hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you do that with soybeans and corn, it's not as bad. Yeah, it's very, very abrasive and eats very, very bad. So we have rice machines. They just have the rice packages put on them is all it is. Yeah, that's a a bucket list one for me too is is to get in on rice harvest at some point in my life. That's one of my favorites to see. Like coming down to the Delta, I had never seen rice. Like we have cotton back home, but we don't have any rice. And going over to where Riggs is at and seeing, you know, six, seven combines and rice, at sunset it's super pretty yeah yeah i know it looks like i I think you you guys have posted some rice harvest haven't you yeah there's some on the instagram there's i think there is i don't know if one's on our youtube channel or not i think there is some of some of it's on youtube yeah um but rice is a lot harder to grow because you have to like flood it and then drain it and i i don't know how all that process works because i've never been around i mean i've been around rice but i don't know i I don't know the process of you know growing rice when to drain it when to not drain it and all that because you got to drain it to spray it's got to be dry enough to spray right i mean it's just all sorts of little different things yeah it seems like uh you know everything that you guys do during your growing season is a lot more labor intensive with with the irrigation yes and uh, like you said, the rice, the rice fields, you got to drain them and flood them and drain them and, and all the above. So there's a lot more. You guys definitely have a lot more in-season work than we do up here. We pretty much just, uh, you, as soon as you can get out in the field, when the frost goes out, you just get out and plant and then uh, you spray it a couple times. And before you know it, it's September and, and harvest is on, you know. That, that's what's like really, really crazy to think about. You know, around here, you plant it. See, all right, I'm about to give you the rundown. <laughs> when you have a row crop, you just row it up, you plant it, and then you're usually going to spray right behind it. And then you got to get ready for irrigation. So you go back over it with like an Orthman or something like that with Orthman Manufacturing. You basically run your middles. Mm-hmm. So what it is is a water fur plow that makes your middle a little bit better. Yep. Then you have a tractor that goes and runs your poly pipe down every field. And you might have one well motor that covers four fields, but like 
you may have a farmer that's going to have 150, 200 well motors out there, John Deere engines, or just, I'm saying John Deere engines, I'm just trying to explain what a well motor is. You may have 200 well motors, 200 diesel tanks, that's a lot of freaking right. diesel, but you got to have somebody walk every single mm-hmm. row, pop every single hole, and then water it, and then we they spray it once or twice more, harvest it, and then putting rows back up, ready to roll. So we probably go over, I would say, five to six passes, maybe more than that. I'm gonna have to get, I'm gonna get fact checked on this big time. Well, how many? I mean, you probably make four, three to four sprayer passes just in corn alone, don't you? Uh yes. Do y'all wide drop up there? I mean, a little bit. There's guys that do, yeah, like wide drops, side dress, all that stuff, just in in a few little spots. But where I'm at, you know, my soil type doesn't leach nitrogen, and so everything that I apply, I apply pre-plant dry fertilizer and uh and then i do a little bit in furrow with the planter and the air seeder and stuff like that but you know for the most part it's uh you know you plant the crop whenever and then you might you might run across it once or twice with a sprayer and then you know july hits and you start harvesting wheat and then august is spring wheat september is beans and then corn harvest kind of starts the end of september early october so i mean it's it's a whole lot less passes across the field i guess but i do and i do things a little bit backwards too i do a lot of fall residuals where a lot of guys here wait till after the field's planted to put down their residual herbicides and so i do mine in the fall before freeze up and then it's right there when i need it in the spring so that kind of saves me you don't have so much to do in the spring and stuff like that but i mean it's sure not near as many there's not near as many trips as you guys make that's for sure i I always said i couldn't farm i couldn't farm where i had to irrigate because i'm just i'm too lazy yeah yeah, they definitely put a residual, like after planting and everything's rode up, they'll go over it with a residual so nothing will grow for 30, 40 days or whatever. And then by that time, mm-hmm. it's freezing, so it kills everything off anyway. And then by that time, we're back into planting. It's definitely cool to see two different, how we do things and how you think do things. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on here is you're freaking 700 miles away and y'all do things totally different than what we do. Right. Yeah, we have the same we have the same end goal, but just kind of different paths to it. And uh, I, you know, it's kind of in our window is, is such so short too to get things done. You know, we have. I mean, sometimes we don't start planting until the fifteenth of May because it'll snow the fifth of May. And I've seen it. You know, we've had hard freezes all the way to the twenty fifth of May. Crazy man. So it's uh, you know, every year's a little bit different. Yeah, it's in and, and so there's uh, I know there's there's old. I mean, we've kind of worn our climate has gotten warmer. I don't want to get in political climate change stuff, but I mean like. <laughs> You know, like the trend really has gotten warmer up here compared to when I was a kid because winters used to be a lot more harsh and a lot longer. But like I know guys that will tell you that they've, you know, the only month they haven't seen snow is is in July. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's not uncommon. I mean, I and, and I, I it'll start freezing the, the first week of September sometimes. So, I mean, everything is our window to get things done and, and to grow something is quite a bit shorter, which is why, you know, so many of us up here have equipment that looks like we farm a lot more than we do but it's mostly because we got like four days to get stuff done um that's 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 like you said you know that's pretty pretty cool another another thing i wanted to ask is you know besides commodity prices and i i would i'm going to throw out their weather what would you like to see change in the farming world or or what you know what do you hope in 50 years to see versus what you see now hmm you know i've yeah, I've pondered that one since you sent me these, but uh, I don't know. I hope that maybe, you know, like if you throw social media in the mix of all this, I hope that it, maybe we could all kind of get along a little better. And, uh, you know, because we're all kind of working to the, 
working working towards the same end goal, I guess. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe there could be a little bit more unity on that front. That might be the only thing that I changed because you, you know, we're all guilty of it a little bit, uh, picking on each other and stuff like that and uh, questioning each other's methods. And maybe we should, you know, just because somebody does something different than you doesn't mean that they can't teach you something. It's kind of like the three of us talking right now, uh, totally different worlds, but, but we're kind of talking about what we do and what you do. And, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the only thing. I and, and maybe there's something bigger out there that does need to change. But I mean, overall, it's you know, it's a good way of life. Oh, yeah. It's a good business to be to be in, in my opinion. Um, I think you know, the, like the greatest part about all this is you know being able to work for yourself and in your work ethic and drive kind of determines the outcome, even if you can't control the weather. And if you know the known, like if you're prepared for your knowns, it's like 90% preparation, 10% execution. Those unknowns aren't going to be bad. And the execution part of it is going to be pretty flawless. And I think that, you know, for me overall, I, I, and even, even the, the risk you take, you know, selling commodities, not being able to set your price, uh, Neil Denton said it best. We're just degenerate gamblers. And I think that's kind of an addiction that all of us have a little bit, even if we complain about it as we, you know, it's pretty fun to wake up every day and kind of roll the dice and, and uh, see where things go. That's awesome. You know, you, you couldn't have said it any more better. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they listen this far. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. Jack's got all the analytics on it. I, I couldn't tell you Most of them what do. our listeners listen to or how. I did, like, like, the other day, I had a guy that come up to me, like, I haven't really spoken to him once every six, eight months, you know. And he's like, man, I listen to y'all's podcast the other day. Y'all got it going on. I was like, well. We're trying to get it going on. We don't know if we're getting it on going on very well, but we're trying. We're trying to make it different. You know, everybody here, just like you've seen it, you you have your your goal, and you just want people to understand yeah. what farming or the agri- agriculture is, and they just try to get it out there because you see it all the time. You know, you can go up to a random person mm-hmm. out, and I'm not going to just say a state because California yeah. has a lot of ag in there, um, but. New York City ain't got no freaking ag in it. I can tell you that right now. You go in there and you say, hey, where did, uh, you know where these apples come from? Or you know where, you know, they, they don't, there's no clue. Right. They, they, there's no clue. And there's stuff that I don't know about that they could tell me, but I'm not going to, you know, bash it. There's a bunch of people that bash farming right. because of the right. GMOs yeah. and all that stuff, which. Well, I'll just say that, you know, ignorance is really bliss and there's a lot of ignorance in the world and I'm ignorant, you're ignorant, all of us are. And I think that kind of goes back to the whole thing about unity is maybe we just need to spend a little bit more time listening to each other. And I guess I don't necessarily try to push an agenda on social media or even in day to day, you know, real life conversations, I guess, if you will. I, I do like, you know, pick fun at maybe John Deere or New Holland or something like that once in a while. But overall, I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, hey, this is this is this and this is that. And you got to do it this way. And I, it, for me, it's more just a creative outlet and a place for me to network, I guess, is, is kind of what social media and all that stuff is for me. But there definitely is a need for people to maybe uh, tell the story a little bit of, of what we're doing. And I think you guys are kind of doing a pretty good job of that, just showing what's going on and, and uh, with this podcast, too. So, yeah, I think it definitely is important. For sure. I just text one of my farming buddies just to kind of get a background on what uh how many passes he says. I said, what do y'all do from planting to tillage all the way through, corn, fertilizing, everything? They do nine passes on corn, six passes on beans, not including the polypi pass. Wow. So that's what it is around here. That's wild. Just <laughs> pretty, like I said, it's, we got tractors always moving, you know, from start to finish. There's not as much, there is spraying going on during the summer. You do have some sprayers. Yeah. But like, 
I've worked on a parts counter right now until June. I move into my new role in June. Um, but, you know, one farm may have 100 well motors. That's one farm. There's thousands and thousands of well motors here. During the summer, you know how many water pumps I go through and, and transfer pumps? There's a lot. I mean, because every, I mean, but sometimes you don't have no problems. I mean, those those wells are only just running just to do irrigation. But that goes to show how many passes we do down here versus what y'all do up there. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Right. And it's kind of a full-time job just running around keeping fuel in the yes. way supposed to. How is y'all's labor up there? I mean, y'all... I mean, how many people do you have working for you? So, uh, I guess at the well now there's just kind of uh, I had two guys uh, and one of them moved home for some good opportunities and and uh, I don't blame him for that at all. But so there was two two of them and now there's just Skyler. But Skyler actually farms with us too. Um, he's got some of his own land, so it's kind of hard to just call him an employee because he is really a member of the farm and he makes decisions and stuff like that. He's kind of my right hand, you know. I'd be lost without him. But uh, labor, you know, labor wise. I don't necessarily have a hard time finding help, yeah. but I do know that there's some guys, there's probably a bit of a labor shortage and, and, you know, H2A workers and stuff are, are kind of a, a big staple up in this part of the world as well. That's so. what I was getting at. What if y'all had South Africans? Yeah, they, they or, kind of, I don't know if y'all use South Africans or, or, or what up there? Predominantly. Yeah. Predominantly South African. Yeah. Yep. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of farms that, uh, that do have, you know, South Africans and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and they kind of fill in the gap, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not glamorous work, you know, working for, working for a farm. So it is a little bit tough to, to get somebody local to fill those positions, but a lot of people have changed around here. They hire the locals and the local stay and they, they work through the winter, but we do have a big, big portion of South Africans that come now. And by the time this airs Monday, which mm-hmm. I don't know what day that is, the 12th, there will be uh, within two weeks, most of the South Africans will be back here because because we start planting first week of March. Yeah, and uh, they'll be here till about November, not November, end up about November second week of November, first week of November is when they usually go back. Yeah, that's how it is pretty much around here. I did, that's what I want to know if y'all had H two H workers is what I was getting at. Yeah, no, there's there's quite a few. I think I want to say like South Dakota, Mississippi, North Dakota are like some of the top states you know, top H2A states that they go to. Wicked how they travel all over here. But, you know, the money difference is, is so crazy. Me and Jack last year, we're going to get three of them on here. But this is before we really commit. We're really committing this year on, you know, YouTube and Turner Talk, both of them, YouTube and the podcast. I'll definitely, we're definitely going to get some H2A workers on here just to get a fact of what they do when they're not here across the, the seas and versus, you know, why is it such a big deal? Because I think the money aspect is what's the biggest part. You know, a dollar here is $17 over there, or, you know, it fluctuates, but that's what's big. I mean, freak, I would send me overseas if it's going to be $17 (laughs) difference. Yeah, so the the guy that I farm with, Laird, he's actually, him and his wife have been to South Africa like six or seven times on hunting trips, and so they got some pretty good buddies over there, and and, uh, they made those connections with some guys that were over here working. Uh, at the neighbors, you know, a long time ago. So, but, but a lot of them, and I, sh- I probably can't speak too much on it cause I'm not, I don't know, but I've spent some time with quite a few of them and they, uh, a lot of them, it's kind of like they're, it's like the, it's like a goal for them to get over here and spend some time just to learn, learn what we do. And, and, uh, you're absolutely right on the money side of it too. It's, it's, it's more than they can make out of high school over there. So Jack, you got anything else for old Mr. Casey? 
I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. This was a good podcast. I know. This is a good one. I really, once again, really, really glad, really, really glad Casey could come on here. He's um, C Briggs, nineteen ninety two, on Instagram. Um, he's got TikTok. I'm not gonna give out a Snapchat. I don't want all the women going after him yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would... But Casey, we really do appreciate you being on here, and I'm pumped and glad to see what this 2024 has in store for not just you, but for both of us. Um, can't wait. To, are, you, are you going to Commodity Classic at all? Don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it this year. It's it's on my list. I got maybe got a few too many trips booked up here in the next couple weeks. So. Yeah, I, I'll be there. I'll be at Commodity Classic, but I'm only going to be there for. The 27th and the 28th, I'm pretty much going to be there for the deer reveal. Um, speaking of, I mean, what heck, we're about to get back off into something. Um, what do you think about the new Case Combine that's uh, come out? Well, I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about it if it wasn't for the for the group <laughs> chat. I, I don't uh, I don't particularly keep up on that stuff very well, but I, I don't know. I suppose they had to to kind of keep yeah. up with New Holland and John Deere. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's all I'm going to Commodity for is the reveal of the new. I do know what it is. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it yet. So we got three rotors. We coming out with a triple rotor. <laughs> triple rotor. I don't know if it's a combine. Well, <laughs> I just know about. You know what? You know what? I'll say it. I ain't scared. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a 830 horsepower 9RX. No way. Uh, non-deaf. 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 Hot damn. That's what's this. This is what I've heard. This is what I've heard. And then a 500 horsepower. 8RX. What does one do with 830 horsepower? Well, I mean, we could use it. Freaking scrapers. Pulling. If, I mean, we got 45-foot high-speed disc. Wow, we want a 60, you know? Let's go. Yeah, right, right. I hear you. I did I did stop at the local farm show yesterday, and they had a 715 quad in there. Case quad. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't like it that much. Weak. I didn't like it that Weak. much. Weak. So, Weak. I'm, I'm, I'm an old-school guy, man. I like the 80s and 90s stuff a lot better than this new stuff. Sound guards. Yeah, man, sound guards and, and legacy case combines. That's my Steigers, that's my style. All right, folks, that pretty much wraps it up for uh Turn Road Talk episode I don't know, five, six, something like that. Uh appreciate every one of y'all for listening. Y'all go follow Casey on Instagram, TikTok, uh, and as always, Root and Rigs and Timber Solutions. Appreciate everything y'all do. Peace. <laughs>